Episode 14 of Season 2, Talk Soups and CEOs. Got Max Brooks, VP of Strategic Partnerships at CT3 Education, and Dr. Johnny Thomas, the superintendent of Rich Township High School District 227 in Illinois. Welcome back. Welcome back to the IEI podcast, episode 14 of season two. And um, this has been a really, really fun season. We've had some really great folks on. I think you're really going to enjoy this one. This is this is our last this is our last episode before uh, our Las Vegas summit. So we will we will, uh, as they say, in the I think they say in the radio business, uh, we will go dark um the week of February 22nd because we will be preparing for and then hosting the the leadership retreat if you want to go back a few episodes you've heard that the, the you've heard the three facilitators who are going to be working with us on the facilitating that that leadership retreat are um, Tracy Davis Dallas Dance and Clayton Wilcox three former superintendents each with with interesting stories to tell about mistakes made um, and uh, you know, w- ways to avoid them, I guess. So that workshop will be happening next week. And then after the Las Vegas retreat, we'll publish some of the panels and discussions as we always do here on the podcast. So this is our last episode before that. And uh, and I'm going to get to see Max Brooks uh, from CT3, which I'm really looking forward to. We haven't seen each other in a while. So and here he is. You'll hear his voice on the on the pod this week. And I think what is really fun about this episode is that Dr. Thomas in Rich Township has been pushing the envelope aggressively. Um, no, no nonsense, no excuses for him. It's all about helping kids achieve. And he wasn't willing to, you know, play by the rules and accepted norms of how school is organized. He's got the schedule completely changed already. He, he's already he's already done all this stuff. He's got kids on campus for more hours a week um, than they were before. He's got a schedule that stretches out instruction over the entire year, doesn't take the big long summer break. These are things that are, um, you know, ideas in the minds of many superintendents in terms of trying to respond to the pandemic and address the loss of learning, the loss of social emotional development. And, um, you know, Rich Township in outside of Chicago is, is already doing this work. And, you know, what's, what's interesting about our, about our work, about work in school districts is that, you know, it's, it's often the, the districts in the, in the most sort of underserved communities. He's got a, he says on the podcast, he's got 90, 90 percent um, free and reduced lunch. So basically, a district where almost every kid lives in poverty, um, and so, you know, caution goes out the wind 
when you're you're dealing with a with a school system that has been so whose community has been so has been so underserved and um you know that's that's great but here's the thing um every district in America is now in that situation everybody has been underserved this year by this pandemic it doesn't matter if your kids are in school 5 days a week hybrid home uh every there there's i mean i don't want to say every i would imagine almost every parent in the country feels that their child did not get the full benefits of of a public education this year and you know it's no one's fault it's pandemic's fault everyone's doing their best and so you know the changes that we're going to see start to percolate are going to in some cases not go far enough um there's going to be a lot of uh you know resistance from the status quo things are are you know there's a lot of muscle memory in our public school agencies that's going to want to go back to the way we used to do it in some places that'll work out just fine in others it won't um but i think this is a this is a good discussion i'm not going to say too much i'm just going to get out of the way and let the experts talk about it because we talk a lot about staff morale and the new way that they've been doing professional development in rich township in partnership with ct3 and um you know it's they're already doing the outside the box thinking so i hope folks who are who have been in more traditional systems who are looking to get outside the box as you plan for next year and bringing everybody back the big comeback from this pandemic and you know maybe changing some practices adopting permanently some of the practices that have been successful during this pandemic um listen listen to these two discuss what they've been doing for years together uh in this this district south of the city of Chicago and i hope you enjoy the conversation we'll be like i said we will be off next week if you like talk soups please do subscribe listen back to some of the 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 back episodes um maybe give us a rating that would be great and stay tuned here you'll hear when we next come to you you'll hear recordings of discussions that were held at our leadership offsite retreat and i'm you know i can't tell you how much i am looking forward to seeing our iei family next week um looking forward to seeing our team Tiffany and Sarah I haven't seen them in a while um except on Zoom but you know just all of our members who are making the trip and I know that you know we've had a couple who've had to back out last minute that's the nature of the beast right now we're here we're we're here when when you can get to us <laughs> we have robust signups for the April one cuz I think a lot of people are getting vac- vaccinated at this point I made my appointment for the vaccine I'm really excited uh so I'll be vaccinated by the time we get to the Broadmoor in April so um so so stay tuned and uh you know if you're if you're interested in coming and being part of this at some point you know how to you know how to find us so so please do but otherwise i hope you enjoy this conversation i i really enjoyed catching up with 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 dr thomas and with max hope you enjoy it i'll see you on the other side hello welcome back to talk soups and ceos got a really great conversation here today really excited to have with us Max Brooks, who is the Vice President of Strategic Partnerships at CT3 Education. Max, how are you? I'm doing great, Doug. Good to be here. Glad you're here. 
and Dr. Johnny Thomas back with us, Superintendent of Rich Township High School District 227 in Chicago area. How are you, Dr. Thomas? I am great. It's great to be here. Good. We're really glad to have, have you both here. Um, we're gearing up for our big leadership retreat um, in Las Vegas in a couple of weeks. And so um, just continuing to have discussions and, and tell stories about really good stuff that leaders are doing in school districts. You know, um, there's a lot of talk right now about um, how professional development needs are changing, how the way we do professional development is changing the tools we use. There's a lot more video being used in school districts suddenly. So um, can you all talk about some of the ways you're, you're adapting to this environment and how you think professional development is going to change forever going forward? Well, well, in my, in my opinion, um, I believe that uh, we, were, we were headed to some significant changes in education. I think the pandemic helped to expedite uh, some of those changes. Um, we, we believe that in the, in the future for professional development, along with instruction, uh, there needs to be incredible flexibility um, with how we provide that support to our, to our staff. And that flexibility uh, includes being able to offer uh, on-site uh, professional development, uh, professional development um, that is tailored to the unique needs of the individual instructor, just as we would tailor um, instruction to the unique needs of the students. And so having uh, the ability to have a partner that can be flexible and provide that um, onboarding for us and that professional development in a way that meets the unique needs of our professional staff is always very important. I would echo what uh, Dr. Thomas is saying, that education has been on a, a collision course with some serious change and the pandemic has uh, definitely accelerated that, that change. And one of the things that I'm excited about is the, the re-entry and how we as leaders in education can redefine what education looks like and how we're gonna support educators uh, in that transition. Teachers are hungry for it, they're longing for it and making it job embedded is gonna be key. Do you expect resistance to to this change and, and from where and how can we overcome no, it? No, no, no resistance, Doug, what? <laughs> resistance in education, no way. Um, you know, we, we, we anticipate uh, resistance. Um, it is it's just a normal part, I believe, in dealing with people and individuals. Uh, change can be very difficult, especially when you have a set structure and routines that you're used to. Uh, this is definitely taking us out of our comfort zone. Um, and, and being okay uh, with the change and just kind of re relaxing and, and going with the flow uh, has been the message that we've been trying to convey to our staff to help to alleviate uh, the, the anxiety of, of change. We, we're in a, in a situation where there's a, a lot of rapid change happening within our organization. Um, and so um, there's a lot of anxiety within the organization currently. Yeah, we've we've been hearing from um, from the IEI universe that uh, one of the top things superintendents are worried about right now is the morale of staff, administrators, teachers, and that anxiety that goes with it. Um, how have you had to sort of? What are you thinking about that? How have you had to sort of shift and adapt this year? Well, it's been it's it's been very important for us to uh, stay connected with our staff. Uh, you know, for a, a long period of time, we were uh, not in touch with each other, seeing each other over cameras and things of that nature. And so, uh, we've tried to to go above and beyond and 
showing up at people's homes and providing little bits of joy that can take their minds off the, uh, not only the anxiety of the, the changes happening in education, but the changes that are happening in our society and, and trying to find ways to give them uh, some of that joy back is, has been a, a, a big part of what we've been trying to do as an organization. Max, thank you. Max, what's, what's been CT3's role in this as a partner to Rich Township? Yeah, so, you know, as he said, anxiety is high. I don't think that's unique to education. I think all of us, whether it's for social unrest, with the pandemic, we're, we're dealing with shifts in, in our lives. Uh, so what we've done with Rich Township and other districts we work with is supporting that transition um, and starting with like the mindsets, right? We do a lot of mindset work with educators and helping them understand, like Dr. Thomas said, that it's okay to feel some anxiety. It's okay to feel out of your comfort zone, but it's also important to know you have a partner to support you in that work. And so we've wanted to be that partner and supporting uh, starts a lot of times with the front line of the coaches, right? So your coaches are often having more touch points with teachers on a regular basis. And so our work has been about building their capacity to in turn support those, those educators. Max, did you have to shift your coaching model from in-person to virtual or were you doing blended, a blended model before? Like how has that transition been for your organization? Yeah, it's actually been one of the things that we, uh, an unexpected blessing. Um, we've been a virtual company forever, right? So Zoom was not something new to us uh, as an organization with, you know, dozens of employees around the country. That's how we stay connected is, you know, our regular team calls, our you know, different meetings are over, we're over Zoom. And so that adaptation gave us a little bit of a leg, uh, leg up to support teachers as they were adapting to using Zoom. Um, and so also supporting leaders. Our leadership coaching, we're able to do a lot of that virtually. And we're even getting feedback from some principals that, hey, more frequent, but the shorter touch points are even better. I love having you on the ground to do like full day support with me, but there's, there's something about this virtual support that I'm liking and hope that you know, as we transition back into the uh, physical spaces that we keep that going. And I think, I'm pretty sure we will. There is no substitute for in-person connection, right? I mean, exactly. that's, that's sort of, I mean, that's, that's, the, that's why all these districts are trying their best to get kids back on site to school, right? I think we all know that, but there are ways that we can stretch perhaps. And I'd be interested to hear how you've been doing this in the district or maybe, you know, in your, in your region or in your county with your colleagues, Dr. Thomas, it, it seems that you can use digital stuff and virtual stuff, video, like we're talking to each other in video right now, to stretch out and scale out um, your, your touch points. So you don't have to always get in the car and drive a couple hours to get to a meeting, right? Yeah, that, that, that's correct. Uh, one, of the, one of the beautiful things, uh, if there is a beautiful thing about this pandemic, is that um, we, we've seen a significant uh, increase in the engagement of our parents. Uh, they don't have to travel to the brick and mortar school, they can meet with their teacher online, they can have conversations about how their child is, is performing and, and what's going on. Um, we can have uh, coaching available for them immediately um, and they don't have to wait the next day to, to set up a time to meet with someone. And so it is, it is taking advantage of not having to be in a place um, so that you can provide the support, but being open to where that support comes from and, and, and the quality of it then becomes the focus. So I would think our, our professional development needs are gonna to start to pivot more toward recovering from 
all that we've been through, right? What are you all thinking about next year? What's that going to look like um, in terms of, you know, professional development uh, in the moment as we're trying to build whatever systems and solutions we're going to build to help everybody recover? Well, at least from the organizational standpoint, uh, really having a clear focus on what the needs are um, of our staff. And so really doing a good job in uh, assessing what they feel like are the professional development needs that they want uh, us to pursue and then using our partners to, to bring that to life. And so um, it goes back to what we discussed earlier in terms of creating a system that allows for, for voices to be heard. Um, and I think that that has been something that we've, we have been really, really focused on and then trying to tailor that professional development to meet those unique needs. And you know, no two individuals are alike, no two professionals are experiencing things in the same way. And so how do we create systems that allow for us to truly hear their voice um, so that we can be a supportive organization? I think support is going to be huge moving forward, support for our parents, support for our staff, uh, support for our community. Uh, we have uh, tried to model that in everything that we've done. Uh, in fact, I'm, you know, I, I'm one of the things that isn't related to professional development, but talks about that community support is we, we've served um, over 1 million meals to the community. And a lot of people don't realize that and, and understand the important role that schools play as a hub of support for the community. And those 1 million meals have gone a really long way. I bet. I bet. Yeah. The, the schools are, are the lifeblood of, of any community. And when everything shut down last spring, I think it became very starkly clear that um, suddenly major services were not happening for kids. But, you know, we know we've got kids are going to be at all different levels of, of trauma with this. Some, some are going to just cruise along. Some are going to want to keep doing digital, probably, especially secondary. Um, some are going to be uh, somewhat, you know, find like social emotional development will have been, um, though there'll have been some loss in terms of development. Um, I would think that this is going to be a really challenging year to rethink coaching of teachers and administrators, Max. And I'm just curious, like how you're, how you all are thinking about going into next year in terms of curriculum. And are you thinking about, you know, restructuring how you, how you work with some of these folks and um, specifically about the difference between like administrators, you got to sort of help administrators be ready for all this stuff. And you got to help teachers um, be ready to sort of deploy specific um, services based on the kids who are sitting in front of them and where they are in terms of their reaction to the trauma. Absolutely, Doug. Last year, um, or for the past several years, one of the things we've done successfully is convene leaders and our summer leadership workshops. And so last year, just like a lot of folks, we were doing a lot of planning and preparation for some uh, May, June, and uh, early July workshops that we had to pivot and, and go to a virtual model. And what was exciting about that was, A, that our team did that. So kudos to our team for being able to change and adapt on the fly to create an experience. But we actually drew more folks in than what we've been able to do on, in the in-person space because it didn't have travel costs, et cetera. But folks were looking for support around, oh my goodness, what, you know, the world was just changing at a rapid pace then. And to your point about re-entry and recovery, the same is happening. So we're gearing up again for another series of these workshops to convene leaders and their leadership teams to talk about some of these same challenges and issues. Um, but I also wanted to touch on how we can work together with other partners. So for example, um, we've had conversations, we're working with uh, the University of Virginia and their 
organization is working with us to partner with school districts around how can we redefine the win? You know, how do we get back to a place in schools where we're not doing the same exact things that we know mm-hmm. cause the disparities that have persisted for decades and decades? And so part of that recovery is about the healing and the trauma that needs to happen, but also we have the, the chance in the moment to figure out new ways to do things where it lessens anxiety, we can support social emotional learning and for adults as well. Um, and so those are things we're, we're keying in on. We've had lots of discussions at IEI events about, you know, breaking breaking some of this, the, the sort of norms that have hemmed us in, the calendar, um, the, the time of day, the, the number of adults, the number of students, right? Like, because with funding, you can kind of get real creative and start to rethink some of these things. Um, but the status quo is strong. The, the muscle memory is really strong. And, you know, we're not going to be able to, we're not going to see kind of wholesale radical change unless boards of ed start to kind of sing from the same hymnal, right? I mean, it's because that ultimately those are the folks who get elected to enact policy for a district and they're responsible to the community, the voters in the district. Do you, do you see a way to sort of um, make the case for changing some of the sacred cows in public education around calendar scheduling? You know, have you been thinking about that at all? And, and you know, any, any hope for us there? Well, I, I hope that um, uh, the work that we've been doing over the last four years uh, really represents that, that hope. Um, we have uh, changed our calendar. We've changed our school day. Um, our kids don't have a traditional schedule. They're on a uh, what's called a um, flex mod schedule. Uh, there are no lunch periods. Students have to take ownership over their decisions on where they need to be and the time they need to be there. Our teachers are, are open more to thinking about how to facilitate discussions in the classroom as opposed to being the lead lecturer in the classroom and really working hard on their leadership skills uh, so that they can give those leadership skills to our our students. So we don't have a traditional day. I've had to do a lot of work uh, with our board of education to have them understand that this high school doesn't look like the high school you went to school at. And in order for our students to truly uh, begin to elevate themselves um, as individuals, as productive members of our society, we, we are charged with trying to find a way to do something different. And um, by educating our board, by spending time with them, by showing them examples of, of good quality work being done, uh, good quality professional development being provided, uh, it is allowed for them to relax and ease up on some of the control dynamics that they would have over those sacred cows and really look towards the uh, importance on focusing on our students and making sure that they're successful. So you're, you're, you're walking the walk on, on breaking that muscle memory. Um, You don't have to commit right now on the spot, but I hope we, we, we'd like to reach out and see if you might come and share that on a panel virtually or in person at one of our, our events coming up this spring, we're focused on, um, and our, our April event, we're focused on, you know, basically recovering, uh, dealing with learning loss and social emotional development loss and how everybody, how all these districts are going to figure out, figure this out. And knowing that, because, you know, we're, a lot of them are starting with the conversation. We got to get kids on campus more. We got to, 
you know, we got to get kids into more independent study. A lot of them are thinking through, you got to get more one-to-one tutoring to happen. So that you were doing this before pandemic and have walked a district through when it was probably harder to get people to think outside the box because, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, et cetera. Um, so I, I hope we'll, uh, I hope you might be able to come and, and bring your voice to that discussion later on this year. Um, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I'll, anything that I can do to continue to expand the body of knowledge of what's out there in the educational field, I'm, I'm more than happy doing that, especially for the population that I represent, where we're 90% free and reduced. Uh, most of our kids are in poverty and being able to change a system to support this group of learners, um, I think is very important. And it's, it's a model to show that it can be done if people mm-hmm. raise their expectations across the board. Great, thank you. Um, Max, yeah. did you wanna get in there? Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, Newton's first law of emotion, uh, first law uh, about inertia, right? It's really hard to shift things that are, in, that are already moving, right? Talk about the cruise ship and turn that around. So it is gonna be a challenge to shift things. Um, but last week we had uh, Dr. Eric Green from Jackson, Mississippi do a social media takeover for us. And he was just talking about some of the things in his district, but it reminded me also how we've been working with their, their leaders. Um, they got over 50 schools in the district. So the principals and the APs, we've been convening them for some, some sessions. And we've been doing things like asking them to look at policies. Right? Why is it, for example, in elementary school, kids have to stand on a square and not touch the line and put a bubble in them? Like, where's the history of some of these policies? And asking yourselves, is it, is it really essential for you know, a six-year-old to not step on a line? If they do, there's a consequence. So just unpacking some of these policies, to Dr. Thomas's point, you know, we can change that. We set the policies in place forever, however long ago, but we have the ability to, to shift and change those policies, policies to keep up with the times. Uh, the world that my one-year-old nephew is walking into is very different than the world my 20-year-old niece uh, sure. came up in when she was in, in school. So, and Max, the Dr. Thompson took over your social media, like you just gave him the reins to Twitter or something? Dr. Green, sorry. Dr. Thompson, sorry. you could be up next. We, we can get you or one of your, your team members on there. But uh, yeah, we, we set it up and, and spent some time planning and working it all out. But our, we have a great director of marketing, Maya Peterson, who's amazing. And uh, that's a great idea. Some of those things. Yeah. That's a great idea. And so then he was able to just sort of share to all of your followers what he's working on, which is a different audience than probably yeah. he's usually sharing to. So um, that's a neat concept. Um, I, one of the things we like to talk about here, I want to shift gears a little bit. Um, you know, we always, we, we like to be the champion of the little guy. Um, we have a lot of companies who come through us who have never, who've worked with very few districts or maybe haven't, or they've worked in other countries and they're trying to, you know, we're able to get companies that people haven't heard of that have some, that have a good story to tell and want to figure out how to partner with a district to get them connected. And, you know, one of the things, one of the things that's always lamented on the vendor side of this conversation is it's hard to talk to districts. It's hard to get access. They're hard to reach, you know, but then you talk to somebody like you, Dr. Thomas, or any of the other great superintendents I know, and, they're mostly these kind of really, you know, interesting people who are great to talk to, but you know, it's hard to get that conversation set up because of the work that you do and the bazillion emails you get, right? Um, tell me how you all came to meet each other, how you built this partnership. Talk about sort of, um, you know, what kind of, and I know you did a lot of listening to get to this point, Max. So tell us about kind of how long that took so that though anybody out there listening who's trying to figure out, um, how they can potentially get a deep partnership with the district, they can know that it starts with baby steps. 
I, 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 hope, yeah. I hope Max doesn't uh, share too much. <laughs> no, but Max is a pro. <laughs> I've I've been uh, so I'm, I'm 20 plus years in in education. This is my calling. This is my passion. Um, I've spent 10 years as a classroom educator in various roles, um, and I spent 10 years on the quote unquote industry side, right? Whether it was my uh, so I've spent a lot of time getting to know educators around the country uh, through relationships that I have with other people who introduce me through conferences. And so I believe Dr. Thomas and I, we might cross paths at a conference, but I think what was more important was the other people he knew who knew me were able to say, oh, you don't know Max, what? Like, let's introduce you. And so that was able to spark a conversation. And I think you know, once you have that in and you see people are, are dedicated and committed to the service of our youth, then the conversation flows so much easier, right? And I will just say, I've been around long enough to know that not everyone is in it for youth, right? They might be in it for personal gain or for their company, for business reasons. But if you're in it for the right reasons about improving the quality of education for youth and supporting teachers and leaders to support those children, then real educators, real leaders are gonna to gravitate towards you. And they're gonna to want to talk to you because they see the impact that you and your organization have for their, for their uh, school district. I think what comes with that is honesty, uh, being real, and patience. And that that's sort of the the message I was hoping you're basically making my point for me is that one of the things we're we're trying to communicate out to the industry is that this this work takes time. Um, you don't just you know you don't just meet meet a district leader and then you know sign some big deal tomorrow. You gotta you gotta get to know each other. You gotta build trust, build relationships, and that's. Um, that's how this work happens, but it's not—it's not some sort of walled garden that that no one can get into. If you've got a good idea and you care about kids, um, you're able to to do the work and get to know folks. So that's that's sort of what. Um, there's no quick fix in in K twelve. This is not, uh, you know, whatever. This is not a consumer business, right? That's what we want everyone to understand. Um, yeah, there's no there's no shortcuts at all. Yeah, if I if, if I can just piggyback on that uh, uh, briefly, I, I think uh, in in the situation with uh, CT3 and, and Max, uh, it, it was all about uh, relationships. We we are bombarded every day with new ideas and innovative products. And for me, I I, I am unique in that I'll give anybody an opportunity to have a conversation uh, with me. But if I can't connect with you as a person and understand the passion that you bring for your company and for your product, um, and it, it 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 really it really does make a, a difference. And I think uh, Max truly believes in the work that he's doing. He truly believes that it is making a change in our field. And and quite frankly, I'm glad that he never gave up on me because now we are reaping the benefits um, as a result of it. And so it is, it is truly a relationship and one that you have to be resilient in and, and don't give up on. Great, yeah. Um, what's, a, what's, a, what's a risk that, uh, we'll finish up here. What's a risk that, uh, that both of you, I, I'm gonna ask each of you separately. What's a risk you took that has worked out but that seemed a little scary when this whole pandemic thing started. I'll, I'll go, go first. Ahead. Go ahead, Doug Thomas. I can start. Uh, you know, one one thing that um, it, it it continues to be a risk is is bringing the students back and trying to de to define the right time right. to have the students and our staff in in the same environment and what's the safe level and who do you give and okay to because they have health conditions to stay at home. 
there, there, was, a, there was a lot of resistance uh, for us to bring our students back uh, in a hybrid model. Uh, but, you know, looking at the data, looking at the transmission um, rates, looking at the rate of failure that our students were experiencing because they didn't have that connection, I just had to make a really tough decision to get our students back in front of our instructors. And thank God that we've, we've been able to, to do it in a safe manner and, and in an environment that has uh, supported everybody involved. And, and so that, that, was, that was one risk that I think, you know, I kind of stepped out there and, and took, and we continue to be one of only two high school districts that are open in our area. So wow. did, you take heat? did you take heat when you said you were bringing them back? Um, you know, you know, I, I did a lot of pre-work with the Board of Education, uh, ensuring them that we could do it in a safe manner, ensuring them that we could keep the numbers at a reasonable level, um, and then a lot of work out in the community, uh, showing them that we provide testing and that we have uh, the ability to, to have seclusion rooms so that we can examine the health of our students and uh, really, really going above and beyond um, in terms of making sure our protocols are being followed. And so, uh, the, most of the heat, of course, you know, came from our association, which was greatly concerned about the working conditions, which we truly respected and, and um, actually developed some agreements with them uh, so that we could move forward. And we've been able to do that. And, and uh, so, so far, so good. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah. I tweeted out the other day because I was listening to the White House press briefing room and they were talking about, you know, reporters are pressing about, you know, teachers unions are keeping kids out of school. And it's, I get that there are a few, that that is a real thing that's happening in some districts, but the vast majority of teachers unions sat down, rolled up their sleeves, sat with their administrative teams and figured it out like yours did, right? Yeah. Teachers, yeah. teachers want to be in classrooms with kids for the most part. Yeah. I, I agree with you 100%. Our, our union president, uh, Sherry Towery, she rolled up her sleeves and said, Hey, I'm, I'm taking heat on this side. What can you do to ensure the safety in this way? And we, through ideas and, and solutions out there, um, did we agree on everything? No, but were we able to sit down and, and work as adults that are truly focused on our students? We were able to do that and we were able to come up with a plan that I think uh, can work. There's always a negotiation for everything. And Max knows that I like to negotiate stuff and I know he does too. So whenever we do our partnerships together is, is always a back and forth. And that, that's how the world turns. That's how things get done. Um, Max, what's, a, uh, what's a, a risk you took this year that's worked out? Yeah, well, one, I do want to appreciate you, Doug, for always being flexible and accommodating to support you know, our needs. So, um, you guys have a great organization that's trying to do good by both the districts and both also by the, the companies that support those schools. Oh, well, you're um, kind. Thanks. So, so you know, speaking of CT3, one of the things that drew me to the company going on three years ago was uh, the mission, the vision, but also the people. Um, it's a very diverse company. Uh, and last summer, one of the pivots we made was moving from a stance around cultural competency and equity to really thinking about what it means to be an anti-racist organization, internally and externally. And we recognize that everyone is at a different phase in that journey, but we, we serve so many school districts and schools that have traditionally disenfranchised communities and the work has to be greater. And so we've spent so much time uh, just doing a lot of internal work to find out how can we be the voice um, for folks that are looking to make those shifts as well. And so that's risk, that's risky, right? You, you say the word anti-racism and it, it polarizes people. I don't understand why, I don't know, anti-against racism, bad. Like, 
to me, it's a no brainer, but uh, it means different things to different people. So we know that coming out as an organization that's on the journey to be an anti-racist organization and support schools and leaders that also want to uh, have that commitment, it, it comes at a, a risk because some folks are going to not want to even do business with you, not because they not, might not necessarily agree with you, but the powers that be or their community or their board, like there's going to be folks who, who are not yet ready for that conversation um, and what that looks like in practice. So that was a risk we took, but it's one we're very excited about and we're, we're forging ahead in that work um, undeterred. Great. Yeah, good. Thanks for doing it. Um, gentlemen, we're, we're going to press pause on this conversation, but I, I mean that a pause up. We want to keep this going. Dr. Thomas, we'd love to uh, get you into this next round of discussions to share your great work um, with our with our IEI colleagues coming up this spring. And Max, I'm, we're going to put on our N95s and see each other in a couple of weeks at uh, the IEI leadership retreat. So let's knock on wood. Hope we all, uh, you know, <laughs> don't breathe anything bad on the way there. And Tiffany's got us once we get there. She'll, she'll keep us distanced for sure. So um, it's good to see you both. And thanks for being on Talk Soups. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for the All opportunity. Right. All right. Episode 14 in the books. Thank you, Dr. Thomas. Thank you, educators, students, community of Rich Township, Rich Township for your, your great work at your public schools. Thank you, Max and CT3, for being part of the IEI experience. We always appreciate having you all. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Please do subscribe, like, etc. wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be off next week out in uh, Las Vegas with the IEI family, getting together safely, wearing two masks when we have to be indoors briefly with each other. And the rest of the time outside, I'm looking forward to, specifically, we're going to go, um, on Saturday afternoon, we're going to go hike Red Rock Canyon out there, which... I have been to Las Vegas a few times and have never uh, gone hiking in that state park. I've heard it's just a really wonderful spot. So it'd be nice to just, and I'm a, I'm, I love winter and, you know, I'm looking out at there's just snow on the ground here for a few weeks, which is pretty rare on Long Island in this, this current climate cycle we've been in, but I am uh, looking forward to getting outside in some sunshine and seeing folks and, um, you know, it's different how we get together now, but, uh, I'll, I'll take it all the same. So, Everybody have a great couple of weeks and we'll be back at you after the, the, the IEI retreat. Bye.